Shalom Aleichem and welcome to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday program with special guests. Tonight we have with us Rabbi Yochanan Bechafer Shlita Baruch Haba Rabbi. How you doing? Chaser Shem. Great to be here. Great to have the Rabbi. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, tonight we're going to be uh, speaking about the Shushan Purim. Correct. And uh, before we get to the, t- the topic, if we give a little bit of background about the Rabbi and the great work you're involved with. Yeah. All right. Um... Yeah, yeah, went through uh, you know the uh, yeshiva system, but uh, I, uh, I you know my big flip out you know happened uh, uh, when uh, I was studying in Shalavim in Eretz Yisrael. As a, I went there already at the age of uh, sixteen and a half, I turned seventeen in my first year base marriage there, uh, and um, got very close to two personalities uh, in particular. Rav Michal Katzev, who now is a Rashiva somewhere else, uh, and uh, and a man by name of Arya Hendel, who I think today is the Skan Rashiva there. Uh, you know, um, you know these two gentlemen. Uh, you know, took a uh, modern Orthodox kid and uh, shook him up a bit, and uh, you know, Rabbi Katzev got me, uh, you know, into Lumdus, and uh, Rabbi Hendel first uh, exposed me to what we call Machshava. We had a Chavrusa learning more in the Vukim together. And then uh, after uh, three years in Shalavim, I went to Neri Sroll. And, uh, Baltimore, yeah, of Yes, there's on Baltimore. I had a very special Kesher tour of Nachum Lansky, Shlita, Zayn Gesund. So a big Baal Machshav and a big uh, Yodea and Chochmas Kabbalah also. But uh, I, I particularly got extremely close with Mandra Shiva, Yaakov Weinberg, Lecher Tzai, Bekar Shavrocha. I had a chavrusa with him once a week for an hour for seven years. Wow. And uh, during that time, I was allowed to, uh, you know, officially we're learning the Masechta of the Yeshiva, but I was allowed to ask him anything. So sometimes the topic went way off the daf, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes in Tabat Yoni Machshava, Kabbalah, you know, and uh, he allowed me to ask him. I had a very special chavivas with him uh, for seven years, like I said. Uh, jumping ahead many years, uh, I put out his Tyrus on Yud Gimel Ikrim in a, my very first Sefer that came out in 2005, the Evan Shasia on Yud Gimel Ikrim. That was a very big, he had a lot of Tyrus on Yud Gimel Ikrim, also decoding the big mystery. You know, why, why are these 13 ideas Ikrim? The whole Torah is equally as holy, equally from God. Right. What did the Rambam want by isolating these 13 things? Maybe we'll give it as a series here in Chazak. We won't give it away tonight. <laughs> he, had a, he had a very special thesis, and he also had a very special pirush on the Rambam, you know, that followed that theme on each and one of the Ikrim. And I collated, you know, tapes from many Tkufas. He had been teaching Yudgimo Ikrim in many different forms uh, for decades. And I collated all different tapes and notes and things I heard. And I, uh, I compiled the Sefer with the words of the Rambam on top and a pirush based on what he said, uh, beneath it, you know, uh, with other Rishonim and Achronim. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, but at one point, um, you know, Neri Saul started a program, I believe still exists, called Ma'or. Uh, it was started by uh, Rav Shai Malkovsky, together with Rubero Groschenfeld, Machon uh, Shlomo. Uh, so at that time, we're talking about, uh, I need to date myself. I wasn't born yet, but it was the late 80s. <laughs> and the, uh, <laughs> right? And the, uh, and uh, Rav Gershenfeld used to be visiting uh, Neri Sroll, because together with he and uh, Shamilkovsky, they, they had started Ma'or on the Neri Sroll campus uh, back then. And now it's, you know, it's taken off. 
Uh, and uh, every once in a while, you know, uh, you know if Gershenfeld had time, he would give Chaburas to the Bacharit. And uh, so he gave a Chabur once, got into a fight with him. You know, we, but it's okay. It, was, it became a love-hate relationship, talking of sparring and learning and in Yoni Machshava. And, uh, and I asked him, you know, you're a time of Ramos Shapira. During this time, uh, this Kufa Ramos Shapira used to come in in the summers uh, to be a scholar in residence in Camp Silver Lake. I don't know if there was a, a camp associated with the Torah Tamima system. I, uh, you know, this, this, uh, I asked him, would you set it up? That can be Ramosha. Uh, and, uh, and he set it up that at the end of the summer, Ramosha was uh, in Flatbush for a few days uh, by family, the Thors, that he was very close to. And uh, there was a day where uh, the whole family was gone. It was just me and him in the house. We spoke for like three hours. Wow. From first encounter, and he got my heart right then and there, and <clears throat> I scraped together some money. I went to Eretz This was like uh, at the end of summer. I went there for Sukkot, and I begged him to let me stay and uh, learn by him. He said, look, I don't have yeshiva. I don't, I don't have a setup, you know. I just go back, get married, and come back. Uh, anyways, so for two years, I was in correspondence with him. And uh, during those two years was the first uh, Iraq War, right? And uh, I remember the, other one. the way it worked was I used to uh, write to him, but he didn't write back. He didn't like writing. You see, you write him a letter, and then you follow up with a phone call a few days, you know, a few weeks later after he got the letter. And uh, you'd only, I'd only get through if I called him like 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. Israel time. That's when you pick up the phone. You, know, you first pick up the phone in the wee hours of the morning. You know, and, uh, and and that's how you know. Send them you know, my questions, my divrei Torah, you know, and uh, and uh, follow up a couple of weeks later with a phone call. And then I remember that you know the uh, the war broke out, and that and the, the night that I called him, uh, the uh, there was a scud attack. And uh, you know, at that time we didn't know the great miracles came out later. You know, right. worked at nothing, uh, nothing happened. You know, it was unbelievable. Right, but at the time it was uh, this was at the beginning. It was very scary, and I said, I call, I said, Rabbi, I didn't do eglacha. Right, uh, yeah, I said, Rabbi, I'm worried about you. I said, Al tidag, you don't worry about me. Tidag latz machashi tzemim chamashu. Worry about yourself that you become something. Wow. Right, that was uh, that was like really set the tone for our relationship. It was uh, uh, <laughs> quite demanding in a motivational way, but demanding. Uh, and, uh, you know, so for two years it went on like that, and he guided me uh, long distance, what Chabur is to say in Neri Yisrael, you know, you know, study groups you know, with younger students. And, uh, and then after two years he came uh, again to America and um, was visiting that family in Flatbush, the Thors. And uh, I came to see him, and I say, oh, it's been two years, hasn't it? Yeah. I really thought that when I told you to go back and get married, it would be like six months. Now we're two years later. Forget it. Your zivug is in Eretz Israel. Right? Wow. Your zivug, you know, your, your basher is in Israel. You know, come, we'll, just come, learn by me, we'll figure it out. You, know, you didn't have a yeshiva or anything. And uh, scraped, I, I scraped together some money, went there just uh, with a change of undergarments, left everything behind, just left. Uh, it was Matsai Rosh Hashanah, I left Baltimore. I was already, for Yom Kippur, I was already in Israel. And, uh, you know, he, he put me in uh, his Friday afternoon, Chabir. <laughs> I, was, I was unmarried, and I was the youngest guy there. That was uh, together with uh, Pinchas Orbach, you know, Gershenfeld's uh, brother-in-law, Joshua Hartman's in the Chabura, Akiva Tatz was in the Chabura. Baruch Shem, you know, it was, uh, 
It's very honored they put me in that chabura, and uh, and he told me, now find yourself a job as a maggid here. I was single, you know. So, but we're through. Uh, it takes too long. We have to get to our topics of discussion. But through a whole series of Ashkoch, I landed a job as a maggid here at Eishat Torah, and uh, I lived in the dorms with my Talmidim. But then I, uh, it's an interesting situation. I uh, and I taught machshav. I taught the basics. I taught guys off the wall. I taught also the most advanced Gemara here. I taught everything, the whole gamut. And uh, after a few uh, couple of months there, uh, someone said, uh, uh, you know, someone from near saw asked me to go into the offices where I never ventured into the office area. I was always in the basement. Go go to the office to take care of something. We're sending some of our donors to Israel. We want the office to service them while they're in the old city. And uh, met and I was directed to a young woman that uh, handles these types of things. Ended up marrying her. Right, <laughs> right, that's yeah. Wow. And then, uh, so, the, so, I, so I was very close to my seven years in that Chabura, and uh, you know, but you know, it's uh, a lifelong Talmud, and uh, he uh, very much uh, you know, expanded my horizons in, in you know, particularly in the area of, of Jewish philosophy, theology, Kabbalah. You know, uh, you know, he gave another dimension to it. Aside from what I heard from my other rabbim, as a and uh, yeah, and uh, anyone asks, who's your Rebbe Muvak? I said, I have two spiritual fathers. I have Yaakov Weinberg and I have Moshe Shapiro. You know, it's uh, interesting that you know, the Zohar says that, the, uh, that Yaakov and Moshe have a special relationship. Yaakov Miller Bar and Moshe Miller Gav. Yaakov's on the outside, Moshe's on the inside. And my Derech Halimud, mainly Gemara, Rambam, it's all for Yaakov Weinberg. You know, my approach to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, certain storm, which I wasn't macabre for Yaakov Weinberg on, like, you know, Maral, Ramchal, Leshem, that's all from Moshbil, Yaakov Milabar, Moshe Milagav. Uh, and I, I go by their light, you know, in everything I do. To, I never say a shir without uh, quoting at least one of them, if not both of them. Uh, and uh, I was in Israel for 22 years. I had a very eclectic teaching career from Eshat Torah. I had my own yeshiva for older Americans for a few years. And I taught in Derech Chaim, I taught in Michalala, and I also taught in Israeli Shivas. I'm very fluent in Ivrit. And I Fair. was a Magid Shir in a place called Hara Yehuda in Kesselon, and I was also a Magid Shir in Binyanav by Ravelio Bakshi Daron. And so, and I sat in a Svarti Bezdin, Rabbi Hanan Peretz's Bezdin, uh, right. in Romema. And uh, eight years ago, uh, we moved back to America for a variety of reasons, and uh, since then I've been uh, lecturing and uh, and writing, and uh, you know, I put out another uh, five svarim, another five svarim, also by the name of Evan Chesia, but these are in English, and they're on the cal- they're on chumash and on the calendar, and um, I do this type of thing also, do podcasts <laughs> with Chazak, <That's> my main <laughs> thing, right? Amazing, Rabbi Bechaver, very impressed, very impressive, so much uh, you've done, do for Chal Yisrael, for the Jewish people, Bezachem, continued atzlacha, continued okay. success. So everybody knows, Rabbi, uh, about Purim. You know, mm-hmm. Purim is, uh, uh, you know, very exciting. Uh, happens to be my birthday, but that's a different discussion. Wow. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to Shushan Purim, uh, people not, might not be as uh, familiar. So if the rabbi could uh, ignite and inspire or explain a little bit about uh, Shushan Purim. Okay. The, uh, if was, uh, Purim is like the only holiday like that, that it, it subdivides into two holidays. Uh, that are um, you know <laughs> that are to be observed differently you know by pe- depending on where you live it's a very interesting thing 
Right, that uh, so now I, I guess we should start with the the history of it. Uh, so the the dry bone facts are that you know the Jews had uh, you know yeah did uh, went on a rampage you know, in a good way you know in a good way a healthy release of anger and all you know for getting rid of all that pent up anger against anti semitism you know and uh, and they uh, they <laughs> they they really. Uh, put out 75,000 people, and in Shushan alone, 500. And then Esther makes an odd request, just for Shushan, one more day of, you know, getting the anger out. Yeah. And, and they, I believe they killed an additional 300. And, and because of that one extra day, right, that Esther asked, just for Shushan, just for Shushan. So Chazal... Instituted, you know, because it was the day after Purim, you know, so meaning they rested the day after Purim. So all the Jews elsewhere outside Shushan rested on the 14th, the day which we rest. They celebrated the 14th, we celebrated. The Jews in Shushan were killing for another day. So they were busy on the 14th, they rested on the 15th. All right, so that's their day of celebration. So Chazal went and, and, and instituted that uh, all walled cities. From, which have a wall from the days of Yoshua, Joshua, who conquered Eretz Yisrael. Right? He was the conqueror of Eretz Yisrael, and we'll discuss why. Right? They keep Shushan's Purim. So now, even though Shushan itself uh, did not have a wall from the days of Yoshua, you know, Shushan was built later in history, but that was, they also, until this day, if we know where Shushan is in Iran, they keep the 15th also, because that's where the miracle happened. So Shushan itself keeps the 15th. And outside of Shushan, right, uh, places with a, a, a wall around it from the days of Yoshua, uh, keep the uh, 15th also. And, and it's, it's amazing because I'll say, you know, so the Jews that, it's already in the Megillah, the Jews that prosim, that live in these scattered cities, these unwalled cities, they keep the 14th. And the Jews in Shushan and, and subsequently uh, Chazal Institute expanded it, you know, to uh, the Jews of Yerushalayim, let's say, right? They have to keep the 15th. So that, that's the history. Uh, and it's all because of Esther asking for one more day, right? You're not saying, you give us tomorrow also. So we have to understand, you know, what was Esther thinking? And that's what triggered a whole nother Purim, you know, which, uh, you know, it's, it, and it's not celebrated, you know, you know, Jews only keep both days Purim if in like a place like Tveria, because Tveria, you know, Tiberius is, uh, there's a doubt, you know, what, you know, whether it's called a walled city or not, because one side is water. So its walls are ancient, right, from the times of Joshua, but it's not fully walled. So, okay, so the, the reason why they're keeping the 14th and the 15th is, uh, is actually a stringency, because they don't know which Purim. But ideally, if you keep the 14th, you don't keep the 15th. If you keep the 15th, you don't keep, keep the, the 14th. 14th. So why, did, you know, and uh, I'm waiting for you to ask me about this, why the sages would do a thing like that, making the two Purims actually mutually exclusive. For the people that live here, it's only the 15th and not the 14th, but it's only the 14th and not the 15th. You know, and what was Esther thinking? But that, but that is the raw, bare facts. So I accept one more point to add, that uh, you know, it's a Yerushalmi that the Rambam brings, okay, that the reason why they expanded it you know, beyond Shushan, right, uh, you know, that's the place where the miracle happened, it's where they had the extra day, is to give honor to Israel. The land of Israel, which was conquered by Yoshua, 
because, uh, you know, Shushan was, you know, the capital of the world because Achashverosh, you know, ruled over the whole civilized world at the time. And uh, so Shushan was the capital of the world and, and uh, Yerushalayim was desolate at that time, you know. Uh, it still was awaiting uh, to be rebuilt. So to give honor to Yerushalayim. So I say, so that Shushan Purim should apply to all those places that have these walls from time to time to honor the land of Israel in general, you know, that has these historical places, a few, and Yerushalayim in particular, and that kind of leads into the secret behind uh, Shushan Purim. Yes. But you want to What's ask, the significance of, right. of the whole uh, Shushan Purim? Okay. So, which gets to, like, what was Esther thinking? She wanted one more one day. One more day. Right. So now, you know, now Shushan is, uh, is not... Uh, you know, it, it's not mentioned uh, just once or twice. And the Megillah is a place where it happened to be the capital. It's quite mentioned quite often. Where Shushan Navocha, and the Shushan, you know, all the Jews were a little bit confused and upset about the edict first to be exterminated. And then, Ha'ir Shushan, Tzalav Samecha, you know, the years, the town of Shushan, all Jews were happy. Right. It's like Shushan is like uh, is being mentioned over and over again as a concept, as a concept. Right? So here's the thing, right? Uh, you know, uh, by the uh, feast, the first time we uh, encounter Shushan is the big feast that Achashverosh made, right. which was start saying the stage whole story because that's where Vashti, you know, made a <laughs> made a big mistake and it got her, according to some, uh, banished, according to some, executed. Uh, and that ultimately put Esther installed there. So now by that big, big party, our sages say, and we actually, uh, I, I don't know if uh, by, uh, in our communities, we read V'kelim, V'kelim Shoim, with a tune from Eicha, Achashosh brought out special vessels by his party. These were the vessels of the temple from Yerushalayim. All right. All right. There's a, there, there was an amazing thing going on over here, you know, with, um, you know, uh, Shushan, uh, and, uh, and Achashverosh and Haman, Haman, you know, they, they actually knew it intuitively, right? You know, we're God's people, right? And, and even in exile, which is the story of Purim, it happens during the Babylon exile, our, the divine presence is with us all the time. God doesn't abandon his people. Right. All right? You know, uh, you know, and that's really what Purim taught us. That, that was the message of Purim. I have to uh, quickly uh, speak out a very uh, very nice idea from the Sod Yashorim, the Gershon uh, Chanoch of Radzin, which my, my Rebbe Moshe Shapiro put me on to his Svarim, you know, the Beis Yaakov and the Sod Yashorim. He says, you know, the Gemara says in, uh, in Yuma, that uh, you know, Jews even before the era of formalized prayer, prayer used to say in their shmona, in their prayers, Hakel Hagado Hagibar God who is great, mighty, and awesome. Why? Because uh, they, it, it's patterned after what Moshe said. Also, he addressed God away. Hakel Hagado Givar Since Moshe, you know, because how do you what do you say about God? Well, we'll follow the lead of Moshe, the master prophet. He would know the right words to say when you address God. As, you know, so he called God, Agoro the Great, Agibor, you know, the, the mighty Vanor and the awesome. So Jews always said that, even before God formalized by Anshik Nessus Agdor, the men of the Great Assembly, that gave us the formal prayer. 
right? So and so it was a Jewish custom, right? But then came the uh, the destruction of the first temple, which is you know sets the stage of the story of Purim that happens nearly seventy years later in that exile, triggered yeah. by the destruction of the first temple, and uh, you know and uh, Daniel and Yirmiyo, who were alive at the time, they they stopped saying Gibor and Nor. I'm not going to lie, you know, where's God's might? The the, uh, the Gentiles they beat up on us, they oppress us. And God's not saying us. Where's his might? I'm not saying Gibor. And the other one said, you know, the place where the temple was right now, you know, it's, uh, you know, the Goyim, they party there and, and the animals <clears> roam <throat> there. It's desecrated. So where's the awesomeness? So they dump saying Gibor and Or. Right? Then the Anchek Nesagdol, who were, that was the, they Men were the, the Sanhedrin. Assembly. And they were the Sanhedrin of Ezra. Ezra was the head of that. And, and they were, you know, the, the, that was the Sanhedrin at the time of the story of Purim. They said, Adarabah, just the opposite. Just the opposite. It's a matter of perspective. You, it, you could see God's might that he's restraining himself. You, you, you pick on my kid, I'll kill you. Right? And Hashem, we're being picked on, and Hashem is restraining himself and not you know, vanquishing, you know, not killing out millions, you know, all these millions of anti Semites. That shows you know, restraint. That's strength. You know, but also, Heine Noros, that's his awesomeness. There's nothing more awesome than, and, and the greatest revelation of, of, of the divine presence than the survival of the Jewish people in exile. That just, that, that, there's obviously, they have some magical safe space, even when they're in hostile environment. There must be like a magical bubble around them. And, and, and that's awesome. That, 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 that is a revelation of the divine presence, right? That what's protecting Jewish people in exile. You know, so the uh, you know the Radziner asked, how, how did Anchek Nesagdola figure out what Daniel and Yirmiyot were bona fide prophets couldn't figure out themselves? So they had an edge. They lived through the story of Purim. Mm. They lived through the story of Purim. Purim teaches us even in exile, God watches us. He's with us, and he's and he's fully in control. He's manipulating everything, right? Right. But you know, you know the you know Achashverosh and Haman. You know they 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 had they they got half the story straight, so that you know the divine presence is with the Jewish people, right? They're surviving in the exile, surviving and in certain areas even thriving, like we do today. Survive and thrive. You know we uh, leave our imprint in all the arts and the sciences. And, mm-hmm. Right. That just shows you know God's people. You know we should have uh, disappeared from the map a long time ago. So now they realize something. You know, if, if the world exists for the sake of the Jewish people, because God wants a nation to be the receptacle of his divine presence. If we kill out all the Jews, what happens the day after? Because the, the world will cease to exist. Right. So they came up with a conspiracy. You know, we have to find a way to trap the divine presence here amongst us, right? They had a conspiracy that to make the Shushan, the new Yerushalayim, mm. it will be the new Jerusalem where the divine presence rests. And that's where he brings out the, the vessels of the temple, right? He wants to force the divine presence to be in Shushan. And if we can make, Shushan becomes the new temple, the new Yerushalayim, and we could like trap the divine presence there so we could get rid of the Jews and the world will continue to exist. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and that was the plot that they had. You know, they, they were, you know, there's an interesting Gemara, you know, that uh, likens Achashverosh and Haman 
to a guy who had a big hole in his field. And I got to fill up that hole. Another guy had this big mound in his field he wants to get rid of. Right? And they came up with an idea. Put your mound in my in hole. hole. And then everything evens out. Uh, so, and, and that was Achashverosh. Achashverosh had the mound. Haman had the pit. Right? You know, you, you think what they're doing, and, 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 and the idea of, right, the, for Achashverosh, the Jews are the mound. For Haman, the Jews are the hole. They're like a hole in his heart. They drive them crazy. Put your mound in my hole. But you, but you think about what, 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 what's being alluded to up there is that they tried to find a way of cosmic balance. Put the mound in the hole, and everything equalizes. Right? They thought that they could get rid of the Jews and still capture the cosmic energy that the Jews have, the Shechina, and make Shushan the new Yerushalayim. And that's a Shushan is like, you know, uh, you know, referring to Am Yisrael. You know, said that in the, uh, in Shir Shah, it's called Kishoshana, Ben Achochim, Ken Razvaros, and the whole opening of the Zohar is how Am Yisrael is a Shoshana, right? You know, we, we were that rose, Shushan, Shushan. right? Shushan was going to be the replacement for the Shoshana, right? Wow, beautiful. Now, you know, so now, you know, and, and the truth is, they thought that their plan was succeeding the, by the fact that Esther was there, because Esther was, uh, you know, uh, it was actually the vehicle of the Shechina in that generation, you know, and uh, and and it was there. She was captive in the house of Achashverosh. So whether they knew it consciously or subconsciously, they thought their plot would work. We mm. could capture the Shechina, but just like Esther, she just manipulates, turns the whole thing around, even when Shechin goes, even when the Divine Presence is in exile, it's calling the shots. Lev, Melachim, Vesarim, Hashem, whatever what Biden decides, you know, he doesn't decide anything, but you know, uh, whatever gets decided, right? You know, it's all the Shechina that seemingly begolus, but for, it's, like, it's, like, it's like the prisoner that runs the whole jail cell, right? Powerful. Right. Powerful, right. Powerful, so powerful. now Esther, Esther knows what the plot was. The plot was that they were they want to capture. You know, that's why Shushan, 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 because that's where the divine presence was in that age, right? And and they want to try to like capture it and and just take it and 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 and, and eliminate the Jewish people. And and Shushan Habira would be the new temple that would hold it, and that's why the world will continue to exist without us, right? So that okay. Now, I'm going, you know, I'm going to the other extreme. In Shushan, right, we're going to kill for yet another day, right? That's part of the Nafochu. That was your plan for the day after you get rid of the Jews. So for the day after that you thought you would get rid of the Jews, we're going to have Shushan Purim. Because that was your plot for the day after. So it's going to be like, you know, what we're going to do to stick it in your face the day after, (laughs) Right? And, and then now you get back to that Yerushalmi, that they did it to honor Yerushalayim. To, because the plot was to make Shushan Abir the new Yerushalayim. Right? Right? And that's it. That's to honor the land of Israel that, you know, you know if, if the Shechina, if the divine presence follows the Jews into exile, it'll never be permanently affixed in exile. It's always on its way back to Yerushalayim. And it's to give honor to Yerushalayim. And, and, and they made it, they made it... Uh, you know, they made it dependent on a wall, on a wall. You know, why is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, ultimately, when the divine presence comes back to Yerushalayim, there's going to be a tremendous cosmic alignment that had got disrupted mm. by the sin of Adam, which is where there's allusion to Haman. The Gemara says, Hamin Ha'etz. 
right? Because, you know, uh, before the sin of Adam, you know, there was clarity. There was, Adam had most unbelievable clarity, right? Because these terms, Tov and Raj, are so relativistic, right? <clears throat> you see what they're doing in academia and making the bad, the good, the good, the bad, God help us, right? You know, these, these, you know, in the words of Rambam, Adam, he didn't think in terms of Tov and Ra, good and evil. He thought about Emes and Shekhar. Mm. What is and what isn't. There's no gray area. Everything is fully clear, right? And, you know, he had that type of objectivity. And, and therefore, for him, the idea of, of bad was all off the radar. It was outside. It was outside of reality, as if there was a wall around reality, and, and evil is like this theoretical idea on the outside, you know, you know on the other side of a secure border, right? <laughs> a secure border, right? <laughs> so, you know, and, 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 uh, and with, with eating from that tree, he imported evil into himself right. and into the world. And, and, yeah. and it's a medrash that says that the snake is right. under, you, you, where do you find a snake? Under a fence, Right. right? And he says, Lama goes, Why are you under the fence? Ani paratsti gidro Because I was one who made the original cosmic breach. I mean, that's why they like open borders. Okay? <laughs> right? You know, no walls. Right? You know, that there's uh, no barriers. Right? When God, when, when, the, when the world realigns, it should be speedily in our days, and we go back to his own divine presence, there's going to be a tremendous realignment that we're going to, you know, Good will be central because Israel is the center of the globe. We'll, and when the Shekhinah is in its proper place, right, the evil will be displaced from reality and it will be called that the walls of the world will be rebuilt and evil will be on the other side of those walls. And that's what the, that's what the, the uh, you know, that's what the walls of Yerushalayim represent philosophically. They're like the, the walls around reality, you know, that reality should just be kulotov, like God said it, oh, by, it by the Genesis, and, and evil should just be on the other side of the wall, out in fantasy land, not, not, within, you know, not within the bubble of reality. And that's what we pray, tivne chomos Yerushalayim. It's not just a practical, it's not just pra- pragmatic. Chomos Yerushalayim. The Torah says, ani choma, mm. right? The Torah that was, oh, it's the wall. It's it's the wall that you know that 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 reality should be in a secure place and and you know that's all good, right? And the evil should be on the outside wall, and that's that's the future, and that's what Shushan Purim is about. It's it, it's the Purim of the future, and that's why they can't be on the same day because the Purim of the present. We defeated the 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 anti semites of the day. Purim is about. The tomorrow. That's why you're not saying "gam mocharudim." It's the Purim of tomorrow when the walls of reality, the walls of Yerushalayim, will be rebuilt. The good will be restored in, in point center, and evil will be on the other side of the wall of reality. So it's the Purim of tomorrow, right? All right, the Purim of tomorrow. And that's why it can't be on a Sunday because one is celebrating the, God, the the miracles of the present, and one is celebrating a little bit of of light from the future. Wow! And especially for these places that you know, have that connection, because they have these special walls. Even if those walls aren't physically there, right? They're connected to the concept of 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 what will be when when you when the Shechina goes back to Yerushalayim the day of the world of tomorrow when 
you know, evil just will be outside of reality. Amazing. Rabbi Bechaver, what a beautiful breakdown. What a beautiful explanation of Shushan uh, Purim. Right. And the whole concept of Shushan. Loved it, every single word. Amazing. So, mm-hmm. Rabbi, we know after Purim, we have Pesach. Right. And uh, is there any significance between the days of Purim right. to Pesach? Is there anything to it? Or is it just Beyond cleaning? the cleaning. Beyond yeah. The cleaning. <laughs> is it just cleaning? No, and... actually, actually it's, it's very good. Yeah, everyone knows the, the song. You know, and it, it, the song was so popular, it made it into the Talmud. You know, Mishenichnas Adar Right, once Adar comes in, right, we, we have to increase in happiness. The, so now Rashi says, interesting thing, because it ushers in Yemei Simcha Purim Vipesach, Purim Vipesach. That we, that you know, so Rashi Purim and Pesach. That means that from the, it's not just for Purim that's coming, it's for Purim and Pesach. It's a continuum. Right. On Adar, we start celebrating, uh, you know, feeling increasing in joy for Purim and Pesach. It's a continuum. Right. It's, a, it's connected. It's connected because it is indeed a process. The, um, you know, first of all, uh, you know, uh, Chazal tells us, our sages say that when Haman drew the lots on Adar, right? He was so happy. It's the furthest month away from Nisan. Because, you know, Nisan, you know, the, the month of Pesach, because Pesach is where, you know, we, we had our redemption. Yeah, freedom. Right? We had freedom. Redemption, and, you know, uh, Paro, who oppresses at the time, was broken. And, and there are, there are uh, you know, opinions. There's an opinion in Gemara, of Yeshua. But Nisan Ligal, Nisan Asidin Ligal. We are destined to be redeemed again in the month of Nisan. Let it be speedily. Amen. Right? So, uh, Adar is the furthest away you could get from Nisan, right? Also, Nisan is, 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 is the first month, Adar is the 12th. Right. But he was wrong, because this part of what Adar leads back into Nisan, right? And it's part of the lesson of Purim, Vinafoku, where he thought that, you know, the, everything that he thought was to his advantage worked out to his disadvantage. Adar goes full circle. But let me explain how Adar goes full circle. Because redemption is is a should be a from inside out, right? First, we should be liberated in mind and heart, have the mentality of free men that we work for God only, God only, and God alone, and and God is our king. Now, and 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 uh, th- that clarity is what the Jews attained in the days of Purim, in the heart. You know, it was a, it was a hidden miracle. Right, uh, and only the Jews figured it out. Anyone say it was a coincidence, or the, you know, the king—he's fickle. He changes mm-hmm. his mind all the time. You know, you know, he's always changing his mind. This and that, you know. Uh, but we saw that it's a miracle, and we, in our hearts, uh, attained liberation. We reaccepted the Torah. We accepted yeah. God as our king. Kibble, it was it was it was a, renu- a Jewish Renaissance on the inside. Because, you know, uh, an a external geopolitical revolution is reversible. You want to make a permanent revolution, it has to start with the heart, right? And, 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 and it explodes outwards. But if, if you just first have the geopolitical change without change of heart, it'll be temporary. It won't okay. last, right? So in Purim, you know, is, is where in, in their hearts they reaccepted God as the king. It was like it was a Jewish Renaissance, right? And, but it, but it's still hidden on the external level, and that's the, the reason the Gemara says one of the three reasons give why we don't say halal on Purim. Akati externally we're still slaves of Achashverosh on the geopolitical level. The liberation was in the heart and in the mind, right? 
but the uh, and uh, you know, but on Pesach is when the gula happens in physical actuality, right? You know, and that's why we say Halom Pesach because God is openly revealed for all the other nations to see. You had the ten makos, Laman, Sapashri, Rechol Aretz. So it, the uh, it, 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 it's a, you know it's to go first. There's the Purim is the renewal of of our uh, you know, that we are citizens of Hashem, not citizens of Achashverosh. We have that renewal in our heart. We reaccept the Torah. We're bound by God's laws, not by the secular laws. Right? Uh, the Torah is the truth. Is our truth. So Purim so is is to uh, put the mind and heart in the right place. And Pesach is where now it emerges to the outside. Yitzias Mitzrayim, it comes, it's locked up inside of us, there's Mitzrayim, it's constrained, and it bursts forward on Pesach. So, so it's, like, uh, it's like everything that happens on Purim, you view it as it's, it's bubbling over, bubbling over until it pff, comes Burst. pouring out, bursts out on Pesach. Right? Uh, that's it, you know, Mishalich Masada never says to stop. No, it's like keep on increasing all the way till Pesach, like Rashi okay. says. Till Pesach, it should be that the Simcha Purim is, you know, you, know, you, know, you don't forget about it the next day. It's something that you want to build on. Build you want to build on, build on. That Pesach should be that, every, that everything, that all that, all that power that was inside of us mm-hmm. bursts Burst. forth and changes the world. And it will make a real permanent change because it's backed up by inner substance. Beautiful. So many beautiful insights, Chidushim, and... Uh, Love every single moment, Vin. So many gems. Uh, we have a custom. We have a minhag and Torah talks on yeah. our podcast. One final message for our broader audience. Right. Yeah. So, um, yes. It, we, we just got through saying that, that on Purim is where we actually put our minds and hearts in the right place. And Pesach should be how, you know, that just emerges. You know, the, um, you know, you know, you might think, you know, Purim is where we get, you know, smashed, right, shattered. Mm-hmm. And if you do it right, that's called putting your mind in the right place. And and uh, Chazal say, you know, that you know, uh, you got to, uh, if you do it right, you know, it's ad the loyara ben to the point you don't know the difference between Haman and Mordechai, right? right? Which okay. So, so to, to explain that, you know, I, I just want to speak, speak out a, a Vilnagon, a very uh, powerful Vilnagon, right? So we know that there's a relationship between Yom Kippur and Purim. The Zohar says it's Yom Kippur. Right. Yom Kippur is only a day like Purim. Right. Purim is even holier, right? right? Uh, there's a lot of explanations, but, you know, but says the Vilnagon an amazing point. You know, these are Yom and Tovim. Right, these are holidays. Now, in, by general Yom Tovim, we know that there is an idea, half for God, half for you. Yeah, right? Split the day. Uh, so the way the Ram says to do it is uh, get up early and daven Yom Tov morning, and then you know, after, after Shachris, learn, right? And then uh, you know, daven Mincha, and then party till nightfall. That's mm. the way, you know, that you split the day, you know, uh, Half half. So, right, half and half. So, here's the question. Where is the Chetzel Lachem on Yom Kippur? We're in shul all day long. We don't eat. And where is the Chetzel Lachem of Purim? Mm. Ask the Vilna Gon. Vilna Gon says, they're two halves of the same day. Wow. Yom, Ki- Yom Kippur is the Lachem part, and Purim, Purim is the Lachem part. 
Right. An amazing day. It, it, they're, they're two halves of the same day. Wow. You know, because, you know, on Yom Kippur also, we, re, we repent and we re-accept Hashem. We're going to be better. We're coming back to you. Right. right. Except that there's a very big difference. It's the same theme of, of coming back to Hashem. But we do it in two different ways. There's We do it the Hashem way of just being in shul all day. So Chazal say on that day, you know, the Yetzirah is indeed gone, you know, and that's why we could say Bar Shem Kvod Machuso out loud as if we're angels and we feel like we dress, you know, we guys in white, like angels, you know, and we don't wear shoes because angels, you know, fly, you know, so we don't need to be, have shoes that enable us to be anchored to earth. You know, all these things, we're like angels on there's there's no evil inclination on on Yom Kippur. And that's fine, you know, but but it's because that, that day is so holy so, of course, the you know, evil can't exist, has no room. Like, the light dispels the darkness, but the darkness goes make a comeback. Mm. Purim is bigger. We go into the darkness. Like, you stare down your boogeyman. You <laughs> stare him down until you see that he's nothing. That's Purim. Then we have to know that Arahaman is equally in service of God as Baruch Mordechai. On Purim, we have this clarity. There are no two sides to the issue. Wow. There's what we say, it's what they say, as if, oh, it's a machlokas, you know, we believe we're right. No, there aren't two sides issue. Purim, you know, when we, go, we go into the depth of, as it were, the, the other side's turf. We're on his turf, on his home court, and we stare him down, stare right through him, and see his nothingness. And that makes the permanent situation. He can never make a comeback. After Yom Kippur, he can make a comeback because it's just all the light dispelled the darkness. What happens when, the, if the light ever shrinks, God forbid, right? In, in Purim, on, and when we're on his court, right, with the food and the drink and the making merry, and in that state, staring him down and seeing him for the nobody is. That's when you go into the dark room and stare down your boogeyman. It, after that, he's never coming back. Right? Just turn on the lights, he'll come back with turn off yeah. lights. You're on his turf. And that's the main thing. On this day, we, uh, you know, the, the, the frivolity has to be that we make fun of them. You know, the not, everything that they're saying in the secular institutions, all the terrible things, it's nothing. It's nothing. We should be mocking it. We should be cynical about it. We should see it for the nothing that it is. Right? That the Oror Haman is no, you know, in, in no way can stop the Baruch Mordechai. Right, he's nothing. He's not. You know, so, Orahoman is not another side of the issue. You know, he does not take up any space and impede on the Baruch Mordechai. You do pour him right of like, get the clarity of the nothingness of you know what you know, you know what the secular world's trying to feed us. That that is the clarity of Purim. Amazing, Rabbi Yochanan Bechafer. What the very chizuk words of inspiration. Amazing, amazing. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much, yeah. Rabbi. Okay. Yag Zatara. And I uh, want to thank everyone for joining us. Chazak Tuesday night t- Torah talks with special guests, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. Thank you to all the platforms for hosting this amazing uh, program. Uh, Chazak's mission, as we all know, hopefully know, is uh, inspire as many people as possible. And especially a very big focus on public school students, giving them a Jewish education via after-school programs, Sunday school programs, teams of programs, or transferring them into a yeshiva bar Hashem. We've had tremendous success. We want to do more. If you have a family, friend, neighbor that you know is in need, make sure to reach out to Chazak. And please make sure to reach out to us with future suggestions of guests for Torah Talks. Thank you very much. Chag <coughs> Samech to everyone. And thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you so much.